In the book titled In the Beginning, There Was Dolly, it reads, The lamb has always been a symbol of innocence. This changed abruptly in the spring of 1997. Named Dolly, a barely three-month-old sheep, hit the headlines, displacing politicians and pop stars from the front pages of newspapers and magazines. Overnight, the fluffy white lamb of innocence had become a symbol of threat to human society through an eerie new technology, cloning. Why all of the fuss? Because Dolly was a genetically identical copy of an adult sheep, a clone. She was the first such clone of a mammal. But how do we judge cloning according to the Bible? In answering, we will first give some biological background. The cells of a living being, whether in the skin, lungs, nose, or elsewhere, have a complete set of genetic instructions known as the genome. From the very first division of the fertilized egg, the nucleus of each cell formed by successive cell divisions stores the complete genetic information. At a very early stage of embryonic development, the cells specialize or differentiate so that some become nerve cells, some skin cells, and so on. Each performs different functions based on different parts of the genetic code. That part of the genome which is not needed for a specialized function of the gland cell, for example, is not lost, but is switched off or asleep. In 1996, Ian Wilmot succeeded in awakening the hidden information of the nucleus of such a cell from its slumber. Cloning. Is it right or wrong? By Werner Gitt. Dolly is a copy, a clone of the sheep whose utter cell was used. A clone is an individual, plant, animal, or human being derived by asexual reproduction from another organism that has the identical hereditary components. Individuals could derive from the same cell, identical twins for instance, or the clone could originate from the cell of another individual. But in spite of the fact that clones have the same genome type, they are never absolutely identical. The way an individual develops depends on a high degree of the surroundings too. Wilmot's experiment involved three adult sheep. He first took an udder cell from sheep A, a six-year-old of the Finn Dorset breed. He then fused the genetic information in its nucleus with an egg cell from sheep B, from which the nucleus had been removed. Tiny electric shocks were used to stimulate this new combination egg cell to divide. Finally, the resulting embryo was implanted into the womb of sheep C, where it developed just like any other sheep embryo. 150 days later, Dolly became the first sheep to be born without a father. Mice have now also been cloned from an adult. This was using a cumulus cell, a type which surrounds the ovary, and a slightly different technique. These clones have also been cloned, and these again, three generations of healthy clones. Cattle have since been cloned as well. Dolly was the first genetically identical copy of an adult. As a fertilized egg cell progressively splits, its millions of offspring cells specialize into muscle cells, skin cells, or secretory cells, for example. It was thought that a specialized cell could never revert to become a non-differentiated cell with all the genetic instructions to form the entire creature unmasked. However, 
we now know that even adult mammals can be cloned. Cloning is not a human invention. The Creator Himself planned this way of reproduction. When we plant potato tubers of the previous year, the potatoes we later harvest are just as nutritious and tasty. This is because there was a new combination of hereditary information, with one plant being pollinated with the DNA of another. They are in fact clones of the previous year's plant. Strawberries are also propagated from runners which are actually clones of the parent plant, bearing fruit with the same color and taste. We also see cloning in the animal kingdom. Aphids can reproduce both sexually or by cloning. In spring, the first aphid generation hatches out of fertilized eggs. Later, the aphid lays eggs that start to divide without being fertilized. They are clones of the mother. Many other animals reproduce by cloning. Certain bees, ants, crustaceans, and lizards. Concerning people, we know that identical twins are real clones. The fertilized egg splits in two, and each of these two daughter cells develop separately. They are individual people with an absolutely identical set of genes. Because of this, they have the same innate gifts and talents, as well as the same predisposition to particular illnesses. They have the same color hair and eyes, the same shoe size, and the same features. But in spite of this, they are two different people. Each of them experiences the world in a unique way, and each is uniquely molded by his or her individual experiences and choices. Both have their own personality and their own soul. So is humanity allowed to use the cloning technique? Humans are appointed rulers over the fish of the sea and over the fowls and the birds, that is, of the air and every other living thing that moveth upon the earth. Genesis 1.28 So I see no reason why it should not be used in plants and animals, especially where there is a benefit to mankind such as less hunger or disease. Christ's example indicates that things such as healing, binding wounds, peacemaking, and feeding the hungry, which oppose the effects of the curse, are blessed. When humans breed wheat that can be cultivated in cold areas, or use artificial selection to get cows yielding more milk, we are also manipulating nature. Of course, few would or should oppose such intervention. I think that God's instructions to humans to subdue the earth in Genesis 1.28 also allows for cloning. The worldwide fear of cloning derives from a vague and confused anxiety about a technology that seems out of control. Gunther Stockinger wrote in the German news magazine Dia Spiegel, chronicling the year of 1997. Biologists and doctors anywhere in the world could hit upon the idea of generating genetically identical copies of geniuses, top-class athletes, artists, or movie stars. The person off the shelf, or homo xerox, as we can call them, would no longer be mere fiction. Even Hitler's and Stalin's could be produced in the labs of biomodelers if only one usable cell of theirs could be found. A major reason for this fear is that in today's evolutionized world, there is no dividing line between the animal kingdom and humans, so the same ethical standards apply to dealings with both. While unlikely, the mummified body of Vladimir Ilyich Lenin just might still provide a complete genetic blueprint of his DNA. What if someone with sufficient technology were to use this to make a clone of the father of the Russian Revolution? Many people are unaware that Lenin was one of the most bloodthirsty tyrants of this whole evolutionized century. As a Times Magazine article said, his total ruthlessness was the model for Stalin, Mayo, 
Hitler, and Pol Pot. It cites one of the key Soviet dissidents of the era as stating that from Lenin's neat pen flowed seas of blood. The same writer gives us a clue as to how the scholarly intellectual could be responsible for the ruthless extermination of tens of millions. Lenin was a rather kind person whose cruelty was stipulated by science. Further insight comes from a speech by a self-professed admirer of Lenin, the late Australian historian Manning Clark, while in Moscow to receive the Lenin Jubilee Medal. Lenin, said Clark, belonged to the post-Darwinian world. He tried to tell people about life without God. There was no God. Consistent with Lenin's being persuaded by science, that evolution was fact. He completely rejected the Judeo-Christian view of the world and its conception of man's place in the universe. He not only rejected the religious version of the creation of the universe and man, but more importantly, of man's creation in the image of God and man's fall, or to use the words of Lenin's opponents, human sin. So Lenin was only being logical. If Genesis is myth, we must discard all notions of absolute standards of right and wrong. So why not kill as many people as necessary to help bring about the imagined future socialist utopia? A clone of Lenin would not necessarily give rise to a similarly murderous individual. The interaction of his identical genetic blueprint with the countless differences in his environment and opportunity means that Lenin's hypothetical offspring would likely be very different from his parent. As a human being, he would have a unique soul. He could make his own choices in all manner of areas, including rejecting the evolutionism which turned Lenin into a mass-killing machine. He might even become a born-again believer in the risen Lord Jesus. So, while not justifying human cloning, common fears about armies of identical ruthless dictators lack a factual basis. The Bible, however, draws a clear line between animals and humans and gives ethical guidelines. First, humans were created separately in God's image, unlike the animal kingdom. Read Genesis 1.27. Our existence extends beyond physical death. This is nowhere indicated for animals. Second, God allowed humans to kill animals in Genesis 9.2 and 3. Concerning other humans, he gave the commandment, Thou shalt not kill, which means murder. Exodus 20.13. And third, God entrusted humans with dominion over the animal kingdom. Genesis 1.26 But humans were never told to have dominion over other humans, nor manipulate them, as would be the case of cloning humans. Furthermore, humans are meant to have fathers and mothers, to be where possible the offspring of a sacred marriage relationship, the family ordained by God. While unfortunate circumstances in a fallen world mean that sometimes children have to be raised by only one parent, a clone could never have two parents. Thus, the artificial cloning of a complete human being, because it deliberately sets out to cause such a situation, is opposed to biblical principles. There are further reasons for rejecting the artificial cloning of humans. Each fertilized egg, including those from cloning, is a new human individual. Yet perfecting the cloning technique requires many experiments. Many individuals would be enabled to commence life, only to be deliberately destroyed. A research director of a biotechnology firm said, My own view is that the research on human cloning is immoral at the present time and should always be immoral. 
To make the technique more efficient would require a great deal of experimentation. And to get this more refined would be at the expense of having deformed babies, etc. To get it into a situation where we could clone humans efficiently would have such a history of misery associated with it. Thus, while it may be right under certain circumstances to clone animals to benefit people, I think it is absolutely wrong to try to clone humans. Hey listeners, who do you know that is searching for meaning in their life? All who think seriously about life's purposes must face the question posed by the book Why Are You Here? from the best-selling author of Does God Believe in Atheists? Writer John Blankhart covers a lot of ground in this good read, dealing with topics such as Darwin's theory of evolution, the origin of life, human evolution, and people's restless quest for a life's meaning without God. What is the evidence for design in living things? Our self-consciousness, human dignity, and our ability to think rationally. What is a moral dimension? What is the existence of evil? And where did ethics come from? Atheism and humanism don't provide satisfying answers for they fail to explain man's spiritual dimension. There is much here for Christians and non-Christians to enjoy and learn from here that they can use in conversations with friends. Professor Sinclair Ferguson said of this book, You can trust John Blencard. In addition to the sheer clarity of what he writes, he is honest and he is gracious. Nothing here is dull. He has that special gift of being insatiably curious about things, and this is his genius. He always seems to be asking if and how and why things happen. So if you're ready to start another great book, head on over to creation.com slash store for the one titled, Why Are You Here? I am Joseph Darnell. From everyone at Creation Ministries International, thanks for listening.